Morning. Uh, my name is David Soren. I am the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, morning to you. Uh, if you've been around here for <clears throat> any amount of time, uh, one of the things that you probably know about us is that we are really passionate, we're really serious about starting new churches uh, out of our church. Uh, we believe that God has big plans through Renovation Church. He's going to do a lot directly through Renovation Church. And yet, at the same time, we know that our goal is not to build the kingdom of renovation. It's to build the kingdom of God. And so uh, back in 2012, when we were not even three years old yet, uh, we set a very public goal that we wanted to start 10 new autonomous churches out of our church. So they're not campuses. They don't have our name on it. Lots of times they don't even know about us. But 10 new churches out of our church uh, by the year 2022. So 10 churches in 10 years. And this morning, uh, we're going to be in unveiling our fourth uh, church plant. Uh, before we do that, let me say this about uh, church plant number four. Uh, every time that we plant a church, we always partner together uh, with what's called another parent church. So another church will help us in uh, giving finances and sending people and giving coaching and training. And this particular time, uh, we are going to be partnering together with Cornerstone Church of Blaine, uh, which is just so amazing. Uh, they're part of the Evangelical Free Church of America. So we have two churches two different denominations from the same city coming together to start another church. I just love that. I, I, just, think, I just think that's awesome. So uh, without further ado, let me welcome uh, Mark Allen uh, to the stage. Uh, Mark is uh, going to be, you're over there, but I went like this. That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, you were over there. <laughs> you told me to come up from this side, David. <laughs> I was just uh, following directions. Uh, Mark is going to be uh, starting Pursuit Community Church uh, in Moundsview. Um, one person clapped for you. That yeah. was really great. Uh, I see you. <laughs> I see you over there. Uh, at, at the, uh, so yeah, not far from here at the Moundsview uh, Community Center. And so I'm just going to ask Mark a couple questions. I'll let you get a chance to, to, to know him a little bit. So tell the folks a little bit uh, about yourself. What were you doing before this? Uh, your family? You had a job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as of July 1st, I am uh, self-employed, I guess, no longer. Somebody said, how does it feel to be unemployed? I'm like, I'm self-employed. <laughs> uh, I was a youth pastor for the last eight years in Roseville. And um, God's been moving on my heart personally just for the last uh, year or so to really uh, listen to the call to be a church planter. And uh, I should back up and tell you I'm married, so my wife is here too, Marty, and my kids are in the kids' program somewhere. I have a seven-year-old boy and a four-year-old uh, daughter, so it's really awesome to, like, health insurance? Is that, like, a thing? Do you need that? Or, uh, yeah, like, you're just going to step out from a job that you have and a ministry that's going well and people that you love and follow that call into something new. It's, uh, it's a little crazy, but I, I got saved in a church plant just like this. Like when I was 13 years old, I, uh, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't grow up in church. And I walked into a middle school that met in an auditorium and uh, people explained the gospel to me and it made perfect sense. Uh, and so this is very near and dear, close to my heart, this kind of church. So, yeah. Cool. So why, you know, you're a youth pastor at a big church. You got a successful youth ministry. Why go out? Why plant? Why start a new church? Why Moundsview? What would you say to that? Yeah, because uh, lost people are still out there, and they need to hear the gospel. And uh, we, when I started thinking about this, I pretty much told God, like, you're going to have to shove me because I don't want to do this. Uh, it's, I don't think if you want to go plant a church, you probably have some issues, right? Uh, it's not an easy thing to do, and it's something that you want to make sure that God is really calling you to. And so I was like, God, you're going to have to make this really clear. And when I started to think about it, we we kind of plotted out where all the churches were in the north suburbs because we felt called to be in this area to be ministering to these the people up here. And, um, 
And when we plotted everything out, we saw all these mega churches and all these campuses, but there was this big hole in the middle of the map, which was the Moundsview uh, School District. And I couldn't figure out why there was no great evangelical. I mean, there's a few, but not enough, not even close to enough. And as we started uh, looking into it, we found out that the town is actually kind of tough. They won't let you meet in the schools. No, yeah. They're sort of against the idea of what, what's happening right here. Um, and so then I was even more determined to put one in the Mountain School District because I felt like it's a place that people need to hear the gospel. And so we found the community center, and it was kind of one of those serendipitous things where the guy who runs the community center used to uh, do the loadout team for um, uh, one of the mega churches in the area that was meeting in Spring Lake Park High School. And he just kind of winked at me. He was like, yeah, we'll take care of you. You can, <laughs> you can come start your church right here. So it felt like God was really pushing us, like showing us where to go. Cool. And that's why we ended up there. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then lastly... By the way, that's only nine miles away. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> to everybody. It's not Des Moines. Um, no. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about um, what is your church, Pursuit Community Church, what, what's it going to be like? Um, how is it going to be different? What, if someone were to attend there or to join yeah. your launch team, what would they experience? Yeah, I mean, so for us, we, we really want to be knitted into the community, uh, and we want to be missional. And I know sometimes those words have like a buzz to them. You know, you're like, what does it even mean? Well, we want to live out the gospel every day in that area, and we want to be connected to the stuff that's going on. So already, even before we've really gotten going, we've started looking at where can we have an impact and started creating some relationships with some of the community groups that are there and places we know where we can come in and serve and we can come in and, and share the gospel and kind of live it out on a daily basis. And so it's not going to be the kind of place where you're going to be comfortable if you want to coast uh, we're going to be pushing people to grow and to go for it and to live it out on a daily basis. And it's probably a lot like what happens around here. I mean, it's my guess that renovation is a little bit like that. It's one of the reasons why we're good partners. Um, but, yeah, we're really hoping to make a difference and to preach the gospel in the Mountain View Schools District area. So, cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, if all of you actually right now would look under your chair, there's a card. I want you all to just take 10 seconds. Go and ahead. And you get a car. And you get a car. <laughs> nope. It's not a, not a car, a card. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so uh, pick that up. And what you're going to find, this is just a, a chance for you to respond with just interest at this point. You'll have a chance to do this over the next a few weeks. But even today, if you want to, there's a number of ways that you can respond. Uh, you can say, I just want to be a part of Mark's prayer team. I want to support them in prayer. I want to hear updates. I want to know what's going on. Uh, you can give a financial gift over the next few weeks. Anytime we pass the offering, you just make the checkout to Pursuit Community Church. Of course, after you've made your checkout to Renovation Church. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> And, and, then, and we'll get the money to them. Or, you know, one of the main things that we're really looking for is we are looking as a church to send 15 to 20 of you. That's not two, it's not five. 15 to 20 of you, that's adults and kids, to be a part of this launch team uh, for at least a period of nine months. And so that's to go, that's to be a part of the church, it's to serve in the church, is to give to the church, is to be in a small group, is to do whatever it takes for this period of nine months to help get a new church off the ground so we can reach even more people for Christ uh, in a new area. And I would just say, even if you're just a little bit interested in that, would you just write your name down and so we can just get more information to you? And you can go for nine months and maybe you come back and maybe you don't. Right? Maybe you stay and you just continue to do this new work of the gospel uh, in this new area. And so what I would ask is sometime throughout the message today, if you're interested, fill that out. And then at the end of the service, you'll be able to drop it in the bucket uh, by the door on the, on the way out. So 
Uh, there you go. Thank you, cool. uh, Mark. You can have a seat, yeah. and uh, Thank thanks, for, thanks for being here. All right. Uh, let's get just started with our, with our message today. You know, I think a lot of us want to know Jesus uh, more closely, right? Uh, we want to be more like him. We want to give our lives to him. Even if you're just checking out church for the very first time today, you're checking out for the first time in a long time, my guess is you're in a place because you're here in a church today where you just want to know more about God. And yet I find like for a lot of us, we kind of get stuck in this halfway point. It's like we like Jesus, we think he's great, we want to give more of our lives to him, and yet for the most part we don't. We're just kind of stuck halfway. And why is that? And how do we get out of that just sort of halfway faith? I think there's some good answers for us as we continue in God's words today, uh, God's word. We're, we've been in this series this summer where we're just going verse by verse uh, through the book of Luke. It's going to take us a long time on and off, but it's just been good for us to just look at the word of God. Uh, if you want to follow along in the passage today, which I, I think is so critical, uh, there's a Bible under every chair. Uh, we're going to be on page 835 this morning. Uh, or you can use the Renovation Church app. Uh, you just tap on Bible and weekly verses. You can follow along there as well. Uh, last week, at the beginning of Luke 5, we saw Jesus beginning to call some of his disciples, and now we're going to see Jesus continue to do ministry and miracles and all these amazing things. So uh, this is page 835. We're continuing in Luke chapter 5. Now we're at uh, verse 12. Here's what it says. It says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Okay, I want to just for a couple of minutes, I, I want to do something a little different. I want to actually want to work backwards in this passage uh, before we get to the main point. Uh, so look at verse 16, if you still have it in front of you. We see Jesus, who's the son of God, still often withdrew to isolated places just so he could spend more quality time with his father, God. You, one of the things that you, you notice about Jesus, if you read the Gospels, is Jesus is both a man of service and of solitude. And you, as a Christ follower in your life, you need both of those, right? Service and solitude. So some of you in this room this morning, you just need to get in the game, right? You need to uh, open your app or go to the hallway on the way out, and you just need to sign up and say, I'm just going to start serving. Right? I'm going to join one of these volunteer teams, and I'm just going to start serving rather than just consuming with my life, to be a person of service. And some of you are just serving all the time and all the time, and you just need some solitude in your life. I didn't say to quit. I just said you need a rhythm of Sabbath, of rest. Where you're not just pouring out, that you're letting God pour into you. And you just, we just see that pattern from Christ in Scripture. All right, let's keep going backwards. Uh, look at the second half of verse 14. See where it says the, the leper was to go show himself to the Jewish priest and offer sacrifices? Uh, what's, what, what is up with that? What, what is that all about? Well, one of the things we can keep in mind is that the New Testament hasn't been finished yet, right? It hasn't been written, and so these believers are still essentially living under the Old Covenant, the rules of the Old Testament. And in Jewish law, if you were ever healed, you were supposed to go to the priest and tell them of their healing, 
of your healing, and then there was a process that you went to. So Leviticus 14, if you go back and read that, you'll see that if you were healed, there was a process that the priest would lead you through. It involved bird sacrifices and all sorts of interesting stuff. And then by the eighth day, the priest would finish the process, and he would officially reintegrate you back into society. And so in a sense, Jesus is kind of doing this guy a favor because he's helping him get fully reintegrated back into society. And of course, Jesus is making a really strong testimony to the establishment, to the priest of his power as well. And then one more note before we kind of get into the main gist of this passage. One of the most common questions I get from people when they read through the Gospels, maybe the first time or the second time, is why does Jesus, and he does this a number of times, you see it in the beginning of verse 14, why does Jesus sometimes tell people not to tell people about what he's doing? Don't tell anyone. Why would he ever do that? That doesn't make any sense. There's a couple of theories with this. One of them is that Jesus doesn't want to be known just as a miracle worker, right? He wants to be known as the Savior, as the Son of God. One of the prevailing theories that I think actually makes the most amount of sense is Jesus has a lot that he needs to teach and do in really just a three-year span of ministry so that the church for the next few thousand years has all of this evidence and teachings of his great teachings, of his works, of his miracles. And if word about Jesus spreads too quickly then they're going to kill him too quickly, right? If so many people know about it and it's becoming such a big deal, then the Jewish leaders might have killed him at the one-year mark instead of the three-year mark. And so, in a sense, a lot of scholars think Jesus is essentially managing the time of his death. Okay, so let's get to the crux of this. Let's just start thinking about this leper. If you've been around church for a while, some of you have, some of you haven't, uh, you've maybe heard teachings about leprosy before. If you haven't, 2,000 years ago, leprosy wasn't just a skin disease. It was essentially a death sentence in every single way. Let's think about this leper. Certainly, at one point, this guy probably had a normal life, right? Like, based on the culture at the time, we could probably fairly safely assume that he was maybe a farmer, right? Probably had a wife. Based on the time period, he maybe had four or even five kids. But at some point, in the middle of his normal life, he contracted leprosy. He probably would have started at first with looking down at his skin, and his skin was just beginning to just change in odd ways. Maybe he felt just some joint pain, some sensations in his fingers. And eventually, he probably would have went to the town priest and said, Hey, this is kind of what's happening. What do you think? And in that moment, a priest who would have been familiar with this would have officially pronounced him as a leper. And immediately, he would have been banned, banished from the community. Right? Couldn't even go home and give his kids a hug goodbye. Think about that. I could only kind of just shout from afar. His farm that he probably spent, who knows what, decades building up, is just gone. It's all over now. Right? He'd be banished outside of the city in a leper colony, where they sent lepers in those days. His wife probably would have had to come and drop off his things at the edge of the colony, you know, maybe some clothes, some bread. There's no kiss goodbye, right? no final embrace. Like Even as he would have just normally stepped towards her, she probably would have just subconsciously stepped back in fear. His own wife... As the years would have gone by, I'm sure his kids probably would have visited him 
visited him less and less, maybe even his own wife. They wouldn't even know how to talk to him anymore. It would have been difficult for them even to look at him because as the years went by, uh, his fingers even would have begun to fall off, some of his toes. See, the thing about lepers is they didn't just suffer physically, but they suffered socially, emotionally. They were outcasts, basically in every sense of the word. They couldn't come into town ever. They were banned from attending worship services, banned from the temple, banned from the community. Like, even if a leper was walking on a country road and they saw someone coming, they were forced to yell, unclean! I'm unclean! Don't come by me! But something's happened with this particular leper, and he's had enough. Right? Somehow, word has gotten out to the leper colony that Jesus is in a nearby town. Now, I want you to look at verse 12 again, because it's just something fascinating here. Now, I don't know. I've probably read this, what, 15 times? And I've never seen this until this week. Right? This is why we continue to just study Scripture as believers. So look at the beginning of verse 12. It says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Jesus is inside a town. Scripture is incredibly clear on this. Luke, who's the author, mentions this seemingly minor fact on purpose. Why? Because where is the one place that a leper cannot go? Into town. He can't go into town. And so this is going to be an incredible risk for this man. But he knows, because he's thought through this beforehand, he knows that in order to get to Jesus inside the town, he's going to have to, through the pain in his joints, and maybe he doesn't have all of his toes, he's going to have to start walking. He's going to have to leave his leper colony. He's going to have to somehow get through the city gates somehow walk down the crowded streets and then somehow miraculously get through the enormous crowd that's crowded around Jesus if he actually wants to get to the Savior. But he takes the risk. He starts walking. I'm sure he's thinking in his mind that somehow, hopefully out of fear and out of horror, that people are just going to move back, right? And so he can keep walking. And yet this is a huge risk because what would typically happen in those days if a leper actually did come to town, uh, historically we know that most of the time they were stoned to death because the people didn't want to come near them and so they would just murder them by stoning them from afar. So this guy takes the risk and somehow he's able to get close to Jesus. And he falls at the feet of Jesus. And you can kind of imagine the children around him would have been ducking behind their parents and all the people would have been just stepping backwards. But as everyone steps back, Jesus steps forward toward the man. See, here's the thing. Jesus could have just healed him with a word, right? He could have said, you're healed. In fact, he's going to do that the very next story in Luke chapter 5, just heal with a word. But Jesus, in this case, very intentionally, he reaches out and he touches the man who hasn't been touched in years. He says, you're healed. And the man who was lost, once again, was found. I mean, this is crazy. you got a guy who's willing to risk 
everything. Because he knows nothing else will work. He's willing to risk everything because he believes that Jesus can change everything. I just think all of us need to learn that same truth. It's the end of the line for this guy. In fact, in the Greek, Luke's originally written in Greek, it tells us that the man doesn't just have leprosy. It says that he is full of leprosy. He knows that apart from Jesus, he's a goner. But I would just say to you, is it any different for you and me? Honestly, can you save yourself apart from Christ? Or can you find the life that you're really looking for apart from Jesus? And I think for a lot of us, even as Christians, we know that. And yet too many of us are still really afraid to risk the pursuit of Jesus. Uh, For some of you, maybe that's turning your life over to Christ for the first time. Uh, For others of you, uh, maybe you know Jesus, but you're afraid to really just chase after him daily. You're afraid to chase after him publicly like this man. right? Because it's really not all that popular to be an on-fire, serious Christian anymore in our culture. I think a lot of Christians nowadays prefer to look more like Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Like, we like Jesus, we're interested in Jesus, but we would prefer just to visit him at night when no one's looking. See, but to really risk the pursuit of Jesus in public, right, to run hard after Jesus, to risk people saying about you, like, what's wrong with her? Like, why at work is she always talking about how good God is? Like, what's wrong with him? Like, why is he talking to me about coming to his church? Why is he talking to me about what would it be cool if we just read the Bible together and started, like, what's, what's wrong with them? And I think a lot of us, we fear not the physical stones, but we fear that the people are going to launch verbal stones at us if we were to risk the public pursuit of Jesus daily in our lives. Like, we just don't want to rub the culture the wrong way. We don't want to go against the grain. The sort of risk of the all-out march toward Jesus while everybody watches us that for a lot of us just we're not interested in that I think for a lot of us we don't want to risk fully turning our lives over to Christ because we just cannot stop convincing ourselves that we're kind of mostly fine on our own right even if you've grown up in church and you've been studying the Bible your whole life right subconsciously we think surely there's got to be a better way, maybe a more sensible way, maybe a more logical way than just throwing myself at the feet of Jesus, especially while other people might be watching it like the leper. I just think this sort of self-deception is brutal. I feel it in my own life. I just feel like my sin never wants to stop trying to convince me that I don't really need Jesus that much. There's so many Americans caught in this. Like, you just need Jesus a little bit. There's entire churches that are lost in this idea. Like, love Jesus, believe in Jesus, get saved by Jesus, but don't do this, like, all-out public pursuit of Jesus with your life. My sin just wants to keep telling me, like, David, believe in Jesus. That's okay, that's okay, but you're mostly just fine on your own, right? Because you got your... You, got, you bring stuff to the table, David, right? You got your education. I've got my smarts, right? I've got, I've got. Like, honestly, what do I even bring to the table that's not from him? When I think about it, I bring nothing. I bring nothing. Right? Look at the words of Christ. 
John 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, this is the pursuit, you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Risk the pursuit of Jesus again. Don't be okay with just relying on yourself. Don't be okay with just being in the status quo like everybody else. Listen, maybe for some of you in this room, a way that you do this is to ask God. You say, Lord, speaking of pursuit, is it your will that I just I join the launch team of Mark Allen and Pursuit Community Church? Right? And I just say, listen, I'm just going to risk doing something more with my life for Christ. Because I just want to tell you, listen, as a church, we are going to plant 10 churches in 10 years. And then after that, even more. See, I believe that 25 years from now, that the entire Twin Cities metro is going to be a different place because of the people that have been sent out from this very room, in the very room down the road, two miles from now, from here. I, this, this church is an epicenter of a movement. But it starts with people who will risk the pursuit of Jesus. A person is willing to risk everything if you truly believe that Jesus can change everything. Like if Jesus is just kind of like a nice add-on in your life, well, then you're not going to risk much for him. You'll risk everything when you realize that you have actually nothing to lose and everything to gain. I mean, it's kind of what the lepers figured out, right? Like he's, he's essentially dead man walking, right? He's on his, his deathbed. It's kind of like when someone's given a month to live, right? And the doctor says, hey, you got a month to live. All of a sudden, the priorities in your life just become so clear. I mean, the guy's already probably lost his farm, lost his relationship with his wife, his kids. He's about to lose his actual life. And so he risks. He's able to risk the pursuit of just marching into town. And so I want you to listen carefully to me. Because you will not leave the leper colony. You won't leave a lifestyle of just sort of blending in with the rest of American culture. Right? Even if you know that it's not glorifying to God, you're not going to leave that sort of life until you get to the point that you realize that you're on your spiritual deathbed. Apart from him, you can do nothing. The only thing that can save you is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The only thing truly worth living for, honestly, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I think just too many of us, even as Christians, we've honestly just slowly wandered, maybe walking backwards, we've wandered back to the leper colony, right? pretending like we're just fine. And I think a lot of us, we're able to lie to ourselves because we look around at everybody else in the culture. We're looking around at our neighbors, even some of the people in the church. And you look around at everybody else who also happens to have leprosy. And so then you don't feel too bad about having it yourself, right? I just think there are too many Christ followers out there, or Christians, that aren't actually following Christ. Right? They would say that they're saved, but honestly, they would rather just rot in the colony from the effects of their sin than risk the pursuit of publicly really coming out and following Jesus. 
I don't know if it's, it's the Midwest. It's probably just humanity. But even as Midwesterners, wow, we were just terrified of turning any heads, right? Doing anything differently. It reminds me of one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it's a movie called Rescue Dawn. Anybody seen it? Okay, none of you. Um, it's, honestly, it's a great movie. Uh, it came out like 12 years ago. Uh, Christian Bale's in it. Um, it's, a, it's a true story about a man named Dieter Dengler who was uh, shot down in the Vietnam War. Um, and he was, he was a pilot who was shot down. Uh, he was taken captive and he was made a prisoner of war. Right when he gets to camp, immediately, Dengler starts thinking about how he's going to escape. And he spends the next few months trying to convince the other prisoners that they need to escape with him. And he's just like, guys, let's get out of here. Why do you want to be a prisoner of war? Let's escape. We can do this. He's got plans, everything. And they just keep saying to him, no. We don't want to escape. It's too risky. They'd rather stay in their familiar misery of the prison camp than risk something potentially worse happening to them in their pursuit of freedom. And I think that's how so many of us feel. Just get stuck in the familiarity of misery, and that's okay. We'd rather take that risk than another one. If you haven't started following Jesus, I just want to tell you he's worth the risk. If you already are a follower of Jesus and you've just found yourself in certain areas of your life, maybe not in all of it, but in certain areas of your life, this sort of lukewarmness has come back. When you've maybe been walking backwards to the leper colony, I just tell you, risk the pursuit. Risk running back to him again. I guarantee you it is worth it. It's still a risk. Right? It's a risk to come to town. They could have stoned the leper. If it wasn't a risk, then everybody the whole leper colony would have came out, but they didn't. I will tell you this. Only the wise in faith will actually risk the pursuit of a daily pursuit of Christ. Paul says this, right? Philippians 3.8. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ. Do you believe this or do you not believe this? Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. And what does he consider everything else? He's just counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Why? Because he's the only one that can change everything. You're not going to get anywhere by sitting in the familiarity of misery. You're not going to get anything anywhere by just continuing in your faith, going, oh, I wish I'd be nice if more of Jesus was in my life, but I don't really want to do anything to get more of Jesus. You risk the pursuit. Jesus is calling out to you right now. He says, stop trying to find your own life. And stop fo- start following me, whatever it takes. The great Dietrich Bonhoeffer His amazing book, Cost of Discipleship, once said this. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. See, when that leper makes the decision, he leaves the leper colony, he starts walking towards the city gates. At that moment, in his heart, he has said, give me Jesus or give me death. But either way, he's essentially said goodbye to his old life. Right? right? This reminds me of the, the, the great missionary, James Calvert. Uh, Calvert was a, a famous missionary in the 1800s. He uh, was one of the first people to take the gospel 
uh, to the Fijian islands. And as they were getting close to Fiji, the ship's captain kept trying to persuade Calvert not to go because the Fijian people at the time were known uh, to the Westerners as cannibals. And, and this happened. The captain said, he said, listen, you will lose your life and the lives of those with you if you go among such savages, he said. To that, Calvert replied, we died before we came here. Can you say that about your life? We died before we came here. Right, you, think, you think James Calvert fit in with the culture back home in Europe? Right, you think when he said, you know what, I think I'm going to get on a ship. I don't even know if I'll make it there alive, and I'm going to go to Fiji and tell people. You think, he fit? you think people thought he was normal? No way, right? But he died to that because he was living for Christ, not for his own selfish gain. He put to death that part of him that just wanted to please himself. And get this, he started living for Christ. By the way, historical note, James Culvert, Jesus moved through him so tremendously that by the time he finished in Fiji, even the Fijian king had given his life to Christ. See, that's what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is not hanging out in the leper colony and visiting Jesus on Sundays. Right? The leper, he doesn't stay in the colony and then kind of shout at Jesus from afar and say, hey, Jesus, uh, while I'm hanging out here in the colony, you think you could kind of just send some prayers my way and just make me more comfortable while I hang out here? I want to stay here, but could you just, while I'm here, living like everybody else, could you just maybe make the itchiness go away? Or could you... See, following Jesus isn't about asking God to make you more comfortable where you are. It's about leaving the colony behind. It's about risking the pursuit of marching into town and asking Jesus to take all of you. All of you. Let me ask you a question. If your heart starts physically feeling funny tomorrow afternoon and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, I, I, I have terrible news. You have about a year, probably less than a year to live. How would your faith look differently in the next month? Like, what, how would you act differently at work? How would you act differently with your family? I want you to take the rest of the service, the last song this week, and I want you to answer that question. And when you come to that answer, I want you to live that way the rest of your life. Answer that question. Because here's the deal. We're all going to die. And so we ought to die now. We ought to die to ourselves. right? Die to living in the leper colony like everybody else. Because there's no life there anyway. There's no life in the leper colony, just kind of trying to blend in with the culture still. Just die to it. Die to living like everybody else. It's diseased. Stop worrying about what everybody else around you is going to think if you give more and more of your life over to Jesus and you're obedient to him. Stop worrying about what your family is going to think or what your coworkers are going to think. Stop worrying about it. Walk out of there and risk the all-out pursuit of Jesus again in your life. Die to it. Die to living like everyone else and live. 
I promise you, I promise you it will be worth it. I promise you that you will come alive. Start walking. Let me pray. Lord, I just pray that we as a people of this church would not settle for half-hearted Christianity. That we would just die to ourselves, Father, so that we could live. God, may we just risk the pursuit of you again. And God, I pray as we surrender more and more of our lives and we take those courageous steps forward, that you move through us, God, that you do amazing things through this church, God, and even the churches that we will start, and that you start a movement from this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen.